Guys, five movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasberry. This is Frank Pelicone. You are listening to episode 37 of The Spin Chagrin. And last week's category was anthropomorphic animal hijinks. So real quick before we get started on your tale, Frank, um, we've had a ton of new downloads this week. Oddly enough, for episode 35 of The Spin Chagrin, um, which was Farmer Stories, where Frank talked about a small indie horror thriller called The Farm from 2010. It's, it's not very thrilling. That's You're giving it a whole <laughs> lot of credit. Um, so I don't know why that happened. And since then, we've had a, a lot more downloads of a lot older episodes. Um, so thank you, everybody who's um, listening. If we have any new... Uh, listeners that we've converted uh thank you for checking us out and thank you for checking us out again um if anybody uh could let me know um how you stumbled upon that episode that is listening right now especially through using samsung podcasts which is a lot of downloads suddenly from from that app um again i would love to know how that happened because um i'm a little perplexed about like the significant rise in downloads uh from that app and um particularly of that episode so i'd love to hear from you um you can reach us on facebook um we're on twitter we're on instagram you can email us at two guys five movies at gmail.com um and that's the number two and five uh but anyway yeah i'd uh i'd love to hear from you so um frank an- anthropomorphic animal hijinks um it's what happened it is what i'm glad i never have to say it again what happened what's going on journey there's always a journey Mm -hmm. especially when we don't have like the real podcast where i have to watch a lot of episodes then i can kind of take that journey you know (laughs) multiple times um so as we were sitting here doing the spin chagrin last week and you spun this chagrinful topic which is one of my topics i'll i'll admit right um i was flipping through tubi and i found this movie and i thought you know what this is probably going to be it so that movie is called the missing links and links is spelled like the animal l-y-n-x jesus christ um spanish cgi i'm already annoyed (laughs) okay spanish cgi uh kids comedy produced by antonio banderas of all people um with no one doing any voices that you would recognize to the point where not a single one of them has a um interlink in their wikipedia page Mm. um so all-star cast Mm -hmm. i thought this movie would be like so bad that it would be funny and i could talk about you know like all the funny things in it and this movie is one of the most boring things I've ever sat through in my whole life to the point where several times during its, I don't know, 70 some minute running time. Oh no, it's a hundred minutes long. That's one. That's why too. Um, I'm going to give you a quick fact about this movie and I think it illustrates everything you really need to know. Okay. Um, budget was $6.5 million, uh, international box office, $1.4 million. Mm. So Ain't nobody go see the missing links or the missing links. I've already forgotten. The missing links. Yeah, the missing yeah. links. So the movie's about this links who is a klutz, and links are apparently endangered species, which I didn't know. Um, he keeps injuring himself, and they keep taking him to this animal shelter where they 
heal him and then put him back in the wild and then he injures himself again so the opening montage of the movie is just him continuously hurting himself in wily e. coyote-esque ways hmm. and being pushed back out into the wild hmm. so he hurts himself one day and he gets taken in and he's taken in with a goat and a chameleon i think and a mole maybe or something and they think that they're in this prison and that um somehow like i don't know their lives are much worse but they're really in this place where there's these people who are uh preservationists and they want to you know keep these endangered species safe and whatever like so a female lynx gets caught and all of a sudden they're putting them together because they want them to fuck and make more lynx um is that what is that is that is that what the captors say as we want yes to fuck? yes well no they don't say that word but <laughs> Um, they're like oh you two should get along real well and then like they start chatting each other up and they fall in love whatever so simultaneously there's a story happening where there's this old man with a really long mustache and he's hired the world's greatest hunter because he wants the hunter to go and capture animals for him and he sends them to this uh, preservation place where the lynxes are and the other animals and so the hunter hires all these incompetent boobs to work for him and they go and they eventually kidnap the animals but then of course the animals escape and so the animals are walking around here and talking on their high they're on their hind legs and they're talking like people talk um hence the anthropomorphic part so is there hijinks involved in like the shit with the hunters and shit yeah, like you know like well it's just one hunter and then a bunch of boobs um the boobs like cause a bunch of troubles and end up like messing everything up and then the hunter's increasingly angry because he just wants to like hunt these animals and Mm -hmm. they've got the enigmatic guy that's kind of like um trying to get two of each animal Mm -hmm. um the enigmatic Mm -hmm. guy who's funding the hunter anyway long story short because i don't want to talk about this movie much and it's not the spencer movie the hunter's like noah and he's Dr. Doolittle also because he can talk to animals. Okay. And animals saved his life when he was a kid. And he made his fortune by talking to animals and learning things about like the world that animals could tell him that humans didn't know. Mm-hmm. So he was able to leverage his ability to talk to animals to becoming a billionaire. And as a reward, he wants to create basically a new ark and take the animals to this island where they can live in peace um and be happy and he can take care of them and that's what happens in the end and you know there's hijinks with animals breaking each other out of prison and running around and stopping humans from doing bad things and it's fine it's whatever it's it's so boring and it's really poorly written and the voice acting is awful and it was abysmal to watch and i was very sad spending 100 minutes of my life watching this movie but I didn't know what life had in store for me. So I figured I may as well get one down. So if I have to talk about it, it could be this movie. Okay. So let <laughs> me ask you this in the, in, in the interim before you move on. Um, how do you define hijinks and what are your feelings on hijinks? Cause it doesn't feel like you're a hijinks type of person. Like in terms of you, like being a big fan of hijinks. Cause you're not a big fan of like, comedy films and stuff like right that you're right and that's why this is a chagrin and not like a okay. spin so you mentioned like wiley coyote like earlier like oh yeah i hate that shit. you hate that stuff oh my like, god yeah you don't like seeing like animated animals get like 
hurt. I don't like. Oh, I, mean, I don't care about him getting hurt. I don't like Wiley Coyote though. I think uh-huh. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner are the most boring of the Looney Tunes style cartoons. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm fine with. We we've talked about Tom and Jerry, and I'm not a huge fan of Tom and Jerry, but I like some Tom and Jerry stuff, and mm-hmm. I like some stuff with you know Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Effie Duck. Um, right. Some of that stuff is fine. I really appreciate the the animation style. Like I like the the cartooning aspect of it. It's where a lot of my like cartooning like style comes from is mm-hmm. those those things. But I just find Wiley Coyote and the Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner to be super boring. Okay. So whenever there's a Wiley Coyote esque character, it's just really boring to me when the only thing he's there for is just to get hurt a whole bunch. Right. That's actually one of the major plot points is when they're trying to foil the hunter. Um, the lynx jumps on his back because the lynx can't have anything good happen in his life. Mm. So his bad luck starts to infect the hunter and causes like them to get the upper hand. Mm. Um, the Noah's Ark thing I felt like was way too obvious and really poorly, um, really poorly done. So, but whatever. Yeah. All right. So I finished this movie and we did, um, we do a zoom call on Saturday nights where we me, you and our friend Orion and sometimes some other random um, cast of like friends come on and we talk to take the place of going to the bar every week. So Orion brought up this movie that he found called buddy, uh, which stars Renee Russo mm-hmm. um, actually stars a bunch of people. It's from 97. Um, so I don't know why these people were slumming it but um renee russo robbie coltrane alan cumming um what's his name uh paul rubens, paul rubens is in it briefly I, I know why paul rubens was slumming it yeah yeah right <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll get to that so this is sort of a cheating movie but it's also not the spin chagrins we're going to talk about it anyway because i fucking watched this movie um because it's about apes and technically an ape can't be anthropomorphic because it's a human-esque animal but it's not like they're making an animal act like a human through cgi or whatever like other like puppetry or anything Mm -hmm. so i can't tell you what the plot of buddy is even though i watched the entire movie um because they don't tell you what the plot is necessarily they just kind of like let things happen um, this movie is only 84 minutes long, which I guess is the one blessing to it. So it starts with um, Rene Russo. It, it starts with their, a bunch of people in an old fashioned style movie theater auditorium. It takes place in like the 1920s. And there is a man on the screen wearing blackface made to look like a monkey. Mm. So he's got his face painted in blackface, but it's like big whites around the eyes and around the mouth so he looks like a like a really racist caricature of an ape right and then it cuts to the audience and there's a bunch of chimpanzees dressed up in real people clothes and a lady and the chimpanzees are hooting at the guy on the screen and the usher comes out and it's like oh shit there's there's apes in the auditorium um and then it cuts to her being at home with Robbie Coltrane, who's her husband. And they got all these animals. And then, um, what's his nuts? Uh, Alan Cumming, he's like their butler, but he also takes care of the animals. Mm-hmm. And so she's got all these animals around her and her two apes, they're chimpanzees, 
um, which they tell you multiple times in the movie, are apes and not monkeys. Don't call them monkeys. Mm. Um, so they're doing shenanigans and playing tricks on each other, and there's hijinks that ensue. Mm-hmm. So then she finds out that there's this man who's just come back from Africa, who's supposedly the world's expert on gorillas, and he's brought a baby gorilla back with him. So she's like, oh, well, I'm gonna go to Philadelphia and meet this dude uh, and find out like what's what, because I want to learn everything I can about apes. Okay. And it's it's Pee Wee Herman wearing mm-hmm. a bald, bald cap. Hmm. um with some really strange veining in the bald cap um <laughs> it's really weird uh so he's all like oh well you know i just i you can't learn anything about them they're so enigmatic and i think we should just hunt them and study them and um i i'm an evil villain and you know almost like a mustache twirling villain and she's like well you don't know anything about apes at all do you and he's like i know more than you lady and then she's like well what'd you do with the ape you brought back and he's like we sent it to this zoo and so i'm thinking okay well this guy is being set up to be you know the heavy later in the movie where he's going to come back and somehow like steal the gorilla or he'll do something that's whatever like super nefarious Mm -hmm. like kind of like a Cruella DeVille like he's going to try and like skin the gorilla or something never appears in the movie again Hmm. so this whole scene is set up where he's this evil villain he's got like the heads of like gazelles and ibixes and whatever up on his wall but it doesn't matter because you never see him again because there's no plot to this movie so she goes to the zoo where the baby gorilla is and she's like hey you got some baby gorilla here like let me see him and they're like oh you know he's so sick and he won't like eat and she's like yeah you took him away from his mom like of course he's all sad and they're like well there's nothing that can be done and she's like oh there is and so then she becomes the mother of this gorilla oh so she just like takes him out of the zoo and they just let her do it and i guess it's fine because whatever sure 1920s female empowerment um so she takes him home and she raises him and then you have this montage of this gorilla getting bigger and they have a maid who's this black lady and she's like a stereotypical like southern sassy black woman you know from a movie that probably should have been made like 50 years before but maybe doesn't belong in 1997 um and so the gorilla like learns how to cook and he's like everybody's wearing clothes like all these animals wearing clothes and the gorilla, you know, he has some hijinks and um, he imprints on her like that's his mother. And anyway, so fast forward some length of time that's indeterminate. Okay. But now it's the Chicago World's Fair. And the people from the Chicago World's Fair are like, hey, your apes, they're pretty cool. You should bring them to the World's Fair and exploit them for us to make money. And she's like, no, no, I'm a conservationist. And they're like, yes, but you can make money yes, and right. people will laugh. Right. And she's like, okay, then I'll do it. Oh. So then they go to the World's <laughs> Fair and they're exploiting their monkey, their apes, by having them do tricks on a stage. And she's like so proud. She's like, I'm so proud of my children who were up there twirling batons and doing pratfalls for the enjoyment of these white people in the audience because they're all white people. Because sure. of Chicago, nineteen twenty, whatever, whenever the World's Fair was, 
-hmm. So Buddy, oh, I'm sorry. The gorilla got named Buddy. His name was Buddha when she got him, but she didn't like that. She calls him Buddy. So that's now his name. So Buddy goes nuts because he, oh, so there's one of the chimpanzees is named like Mabel or something. And she's a fucking bitch. And she goes and like harasses Buddy. And then like he goes crazy and breaks out of his cage. Then he goes on a rampage. And so he's rampaging outside of the World's Fair while she's inside watching her other apes kind of go crazy and do crazy things and entertain the audience. And there's all these people screaming outside, but she didn't pay attention. So she comes out and there's like just destruction everywhere. Like the World's Fair is destroyed. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my God, Buddy did this. And she's looking around and then Buddy's like kind of sitting in a corner and she's like, oh, Buddy, we got to go home. So then they go home. And so her husband is like, you know, this is like a 800 pound gorilla that could murder us all with his massive strength. Um, maybe you should find something to do with him. And she's like, nah, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to keep him because mm. I can get through to him. But spoiler alert, she can't. No. Because then he breaks out of his cage and goes nuts and wrecks their house too. Mm. So then she's like, well, I guess I can't do all the things that this movie was building me up to be able to do as like a modern day Eliza Doolittle. So you just go live in this like nature preserve and then that's it. That's the movie. Um, so yeah, terrible um i like okay so this movie's supposed to convince me that 1997 robbie coltrane can pull 1997 renee russo he's a doctor oh i forgot about that so there's one time where he's on the telephone um and hold on i gotta read this exact quote he's talking on the phone and he says Plenty of butter and a gentle pull should fix that. No, no, it's okay. He's just curious about his body. Hmm. And there's no context as to what's mm-hmm. happening on the other end of that phone. But this is what you're hearing. Okay. So, I don't know. But I guess maybe if he's into that kind of freaky shit, then maybe that's what she... Um... Hmm. Also, you don't... I mean, it looks like they're kind of in love with each other. I don't know. I mean, there's okay. yeah. You know. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to like shame or judge. It's just it's just inter- it's an interesting choice. Like, yeah. Well, it's progressive, you know. Anyway, <laughs> it sounds real progressive. This movie. Yeah, it was real progressive. <laughs> um. So this so is I, this, I this woman that wrote it is the woman who wrote uh, Edward Scissorhands, The Night Be- Nightmare Before Christmas, and Corpse Bride. Well, she only wrote a third of this movie because the rest of it just happens. And there's no plot or rhyme or reason to any of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's supposed to be some kind of feminist thing and also like a screed against, you know, imprisoning wildlife or hunting wildlife for sport or whatever. Right. Um, but it just ends up being really confused and poorly acted. And ultimately, the answer is like, this fucking poor man's Jane Goodall, like, she can't do shit with the fucking gorillas in the mist. Like, they just rampage through her house and break her china, and then they just gotta go to, like, some nature preserve. And she tries to, like, fucking make them do tricks. Yes, she she definitely takes them to the World's Fair to be exploited. Even though previous to that, she was refusing to let them be exploited. But now, all of a sudden, because some guy with a stiff upper lip says so, uh yeah yeah 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I, that's none of that movie is any none of it is what I expected to happen. It's not what I expected, and it also is not the chagrin. Um, although it caused me quite a bit of chagrin, and um, props to uh, personal friend and friend of the podcast, um, double friend Ryan Wellmaker, uh, titular Battletoad Overload um, himself for forcing me through kind of a slight dare to watch this fucking movie mm. um and everybody knows that i like primates doing things and i think it's funny uh, uh, but this this the, this is not the kind of primate humor that i'm i'm down with i just mm. was not i was not super pleased so so kind of some, some, us- someday i'll make you delineate your um your your monkey humor um in the categories but not what today. goes from what goes from monkey love to primate hate like <laughs> yeah. how like what that slippery slope is yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know <laughs> i'd have to think about it right it's like the old quote of pornography like i don't know how to define it but i know it when i see it like i mean i mean at this rate i feel like we're going to talk about monkeys at least four more times throughout the rest of the fucking year so um i mean the way that i set up my categories it was meant to do that so <laughs> It's entirely possible. That That's happen. why I just said I don't need to ask you now because I assume yeah. more monkeys will be happening. And then it'll just come naturally over the course of the spin chagrin, you know? <laughs> All right. Um, so then I watched a movie last night. Uh, it's on Peacock called The Bad Guys. Uh, the Bad Guys is an animated movie from earlier in 2022. Mm. Um, it is starring the voice talents of sam rockwell mark marone aquafina craig robinson um zazie beats um some other people so and for our pa peeps it's showing still in a theater in exton and collegeville in pa right so i come here to tell you to not go and see this movie in the theater (laughs) I got to talk about the world that this is set in first because the, 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 this is the most troublesome thing to me, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So in this universe of the bad guys, there are anthropomorphic animals who wear clothes and speak English and do things. And then there are people and they all live side by side, but there's far more people than there are anthropomorphic animals but nobody really cares that there are anthropomorphic animals. They just accept that they exist. Mm-hmm. And these anthropomorphic animals hold positions of power mm. because one of them is the governor and she's a fox, like literally. Mm. And then there's this dude that's the greatest scientist in the world. And he's a, like a prairie dog or a guinea pig or something. Okay. He a little, he a little tiny guy. Then there's a group of the quote-unquote bad guys who are these infamous thieves led by the Sam Rockwell voice, Big Bad Wolf. And it's a wolf, it's a shark, it's a snake, it's a tarantula, and it's a piranha. Mm. And the piranha is like their muscle, and the piranha also farts a lot when he gets Mm. nervous. So there's a large, not a large number but a great quantity of fart jokes in this movie where it's a fish that's farting and he's farting 
a visible toxic green cloud that has weight and shape and substance and makes people wretch because it's gross. But it's only when he's nervous. But he's the muscle of the group. Such a big part of the character that it's like the primary part of the description on wikipedia right right well it's it's there there's an important important sequence that takes place where he farts Mm. and many things happen okay as a result of his flatulence um so the other thing that bothers me about this movie is there are actual animals in this movie who are not anthropomorphic (laughs) who are just animals that Uh interact with the anthropomorphic animals in a way where the anthropomorphic animals are treating them as pets as well which makes no sense, including a small cat that's a central plot point to Sam Rockwell's character development, but it's just a fucking cat. Right. Even though and 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 there's the prairie dog super scientist, but there's also guinea pigs. I think they're guinea pigs, is that right? Oh no, I gotta go. This movie fucking drove me nuts. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're guinea pigs. What is um? So she's a fox, and he is a Professor Marmalade. This is his name, not Creole Lady Marmalade, but just Professor Marmalade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is. He's a guinea pig. Oh, so this is even worse. So this super scientist guinea pig wants them to go rescue a bunch of just regular animal guinea pigs from this lab, which they do. Okay, okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. So the premise is that they're this infamous group of thieves, but really they're just kind of assholes. So nobody's afraid of them or thinks that they're threatening. They're just annoying. And everyone thinks they're annoying and they just kind of get away with the things they do because I mean they're robbing shit and stuff, but they're just assholes, kind of. Okay. Um, so they want to up their profile as being like the biggest, most notorious gang in the world or something. I don't know. Sure. In some sphere of like influence and whatever knowledge. So Professor Marmalade is getting this award, which is a Golden Dolphin Award, which rubs them the wrong way because dolphins are super annoying because they're so cute and uh, smart, but also implying that dolphins are also just animals that exist in this universe. Okay. So they go to rob it. Um, and there's this award ceremony for Marmalade, and they're going to rob it. And uh, they do like the Mission Impossible style, you know, it actually is very much like a Mission Impossible thing um, where, you know, there's a distraction and the tarantula, the Aquafina character, she's like their, um, their computer ace and she's, you know, disabling the security and Wolf and Snake are oh, she's yeah. making me, yeah, making me tired. Yeah. tired in here. So anyway, so the shark is a master of disguise. Here's the other thing, too. There's so few anthropomorphic animals in this world, and Uh yet no one recognizes these motherfucking animals that are just wearing people clothes 
and like they're not even wearing pants sometimes like they're just wearing shirts mm. it's like kissy fur or shirt tails or something right like but at least those worlds just had animals like this world there's people right and the sh- there, there's a shark it's a great white shark is the master of disguise dressed up in drag with like lipstick pretending to be pregnant and no one realizes it's a shark but right. it's so obvious it's a shark sure like they see the wolf and they're like oh you're such a handsome young man you're so debonair but he's a he's a wolf you can see he's a wolf and he's the but only they say wolf that he's a handsome whole... man yeah 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 because he's he's all like slick with his talking and stuff I mean, sam rockwell come on so but he's like he's the only wolf there like there's no other wolves there's not even side characters or just like you know third business like scene fillers that are animals it's only the governor the professor and these five assholes are the only animals and there's no repeat animals I got you. Anthropomorphic animals. And yet no one no one is like, oh my God, obviously you are the wolf and you're the big bad wolf because you're the only big bad wolf in the whole fucking world. Right. They're like, oh, thank you for helping me save my dog or whatever. Anyway. So are there any non-anthropomorphic wolves? No. Well, I don't know. I mean, they don't ever get that far. I'm just there, there's 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 a cat and then there's like a thousand guinea pigs. And I think that's it. So anyway. So they get caught trying to steal this dolphin statue. And as they're leaving, the wolf is like, oh, you know. Well, so the wolf saves this old woman from falling down the stairs. And when she, when he does, she's like, oh, you know, you're such a nice young man. You know, you saved my life. Like, I would have been seriously hurt. And it makes his tail wag because he's getting praised. Mm. So even though, again, even though he's anthropomorphic in the sense that he has all the characteristics of a person, and he still has all the instincts and gut reactions of an animal. So it's like, it's not even giving him the credit of being like an actual, like, sentient human creature. He's also this, I don't know, uh, emotional, like, animal. Like, you know, he's, he's got these base instincts. Anyway, so they get arrested, but the professor is like, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to teach them to be good. Like, I'm going to reform them. And the wolf's like, yeah, yeah, that's what we want to do. We need to be good. Like, no one's ever given us a chance. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden they're in this. So then even though they're like these criminals or whatever and they're arrested, um, they're like, you know what? This is a good idea. Let's just let them go. And they can just go get redeemed. So then that starts happening. And this is where the wolf rescues the cat. And then they're supposed to rescue these guinea pigs. But then the snake eats all the guinea pigs. But then they make the snake spit out the guinea pigs. And the press is there, and the snake spits out the last guinea pig, and they're like, oh, this isn't working. But then they decide to go ahead and just, like, keep on with the experiment. So what you find out, long story short, is that Professor Marmalade is really a bad guy and wants to take the bad guys, which is this team of animals, and basically turn them into his minions and also use them as scapegoats for when he steals things. So you can be like, oh man, look, it wasn't me. It was these fucking villains. Like they're they're mm-hmm. you know they're villains, which is probably a good plan. Um right. sure. except that everyone is so recognizable because they're all fucking animals. Like if you see a tr- like a tarantula with the head of a person talking to you, you're not gonna be like, hmm, I wonder which one that is. Like you know exactly who it is, right? Anyway. 
So what are the are there are there humans in this and like what are they doing? Yeah, there's tons of humans. They're just living life. They're living life and not recognizing that any animals are walking around and talking to them. They think I mean maybe they are, but they just like accept it. And these animals are just people. Okay. So maybe what it is it's like apartheid. And no, no, that's a bad example. Um, right. there's so few. Maybe like all the animal anthropomorphic animals have moved elsewhere. And it's just these few that are so dumb that are left to live with all these asshole people. Um. Anyway, so... So he's a bad guy now. So the snake turns on him and everybody else decides they're going to go good. So they have to try and foil the plans of the snake and um, Professor Marmalade. And to be honest with you, I can't really remember what that plan was. Oh, no, I know. Oh, shit. You got me again. So Professor Marmalade rose to prominence because a meteorite in the shape of a heart or a butt if the piranha is describing it because they talk for two minutes about how the heart-shaped meteorite which obviously looks like a heart actually looks like butt cheeks which means the piranha is like implying that he's looking like anyway well the piranha piranha has butts on the mind because he farts so much right yes but he doesn't have a butt i don't know where the farts come from like his tail i don't know I mean, I guess the piranhas have sphincters, but sure. it's not—it's not really detailed here. Um, so, the, these are the real questions we need to answer. That's what I'm thinking watching this movie. Like, where's the where's the fart come from? The scene with the fart is when they're trying to steal the uh, the dolphin statue, and the piranha is the one that's holding up the snake, and the snake is holding onto the wolf. And they drop down Mission Impossible 1 style, you know, like into the middle of the room where he's going to like steal the thing and go up because that's a trope that hasn't been overused for the past like 25 years since right. fucking Mission Impossible came out. Sure. Very original. Mm-hmm. So when the prana is holding him up, um, he farts and the fart goes into the room where the tarantula is trying to turn off the security systems. And the tarantula is trying to hold her breath um, because the fart's too much. But she's going uh, beast mode and four keyboards come out of her laptop and she's typing with all her little fucking furry feet, mm-hmm. like doing all this stuff. And it actually, it's funny because it's one of, again, to reference Orion, it's one of Orion's pet peeves where it's like beep, beep, like the countdown of, you know, and it says, um, fuck, bypass. And it's just like this bar that's filling up. Right. I was thinking how, how annoyed he would be that the bypass bar is up there and it's beeping. <laughs> like, it's like all these all these hatreds like combined into one. Anyway, so that's so the fart like eventually dissipates, but that's where they talk about him farting. And it's mentioned for a solid two minutes while the fart is like spreading. And again, it's this very like viscous, amorphous cloud of like green... You know how you get like fix a flat or um, yeah. like caulking foam or whatever? That's no. what it looks like. It's spreading. Anyway, so back to later on in the movie. Um, so the rest of the bad guys decide that they want to go good because, you know, that's the plot. And the snake is like, no, nah, I'm going to be bad with, with marmalade over here. And no one will ever believe you that he's bad because he's so popular. Um, so eventually the whole plot revolves around this meteorite that something i can't remember there's something special about it but plot twist uh marmalade also has a lamp in his living room 
that's the same size and shape of the meteorite, but it's a lamp. So you find out that what Snake did is Snake was a double agent and he spray painted that shit to look like the actual meteorite and then switched them. And then the meteorite was really this radioactive, like, re or super reactive, I don't know, something thing that had all this power. And if it wasn't kept contained, it would explode. And so Snake switched him, even though he's literally a fucking snake with no arms and no ability to, like, carry anything. Um, and so he was also really a good guy. And then Marmalade um, gets exposed and they think that he's... Oh, I forgot about that plot point. So it turns out that Governor Fox... And her name is Governor Fox, mind you. Mm. And she is a fox, mm. like, literally. Um, Governor Fox was actually the supervillain called the Gray or Crimson Shadow or something like that. Um, and so even though the Crimson Shadow was seen by people... I mean, she was masked and shit and was quite obviously an anthropomorphic fox. The media is like, oh my God, Marmalade is the crimson fucking shadow. And they arrest him. Hmm. And then the bad guys have turned into the good guys. And they go and spend a year in jail because they've been committing crimes for like decades and are legitimately career criminals that deserve to get punished for their actions. But once their year is up, they get released, and now they're good guys again, and they're like yeah. a superhero team. So, cool. um, so yeah, so that's the bad guys, and that's the chagrin movie. Okay. And here's the thing: it's got this weird animation style that's it looks I, bizarre. It's uh, really yeah. interesting though in motion because it's a combination of obvious CGI, but also has a very sketchy like rough hand-drawn feel to it um it's almost like watching like a, if listeners if you're familiar with the borderlands series of video games mm. the cell shaded look of video games mm -hmm. is very similar to cell shaded and it actually works really well and it makes a lot of the animation super interesting to look at because it gives it a weird pseudo depth that most cgi doesn't have right um, it's a really cool look, and actually, I would like to see more movies made in a similar style. I just don't want to see this again. This movie also holds really high ratings on fucking Rotten Tomatoes. It does. And, shit. It and does. I have no idea why, because it's not a good movie. And not even not a good movie. Like, I can still love CGI movies. Like, I still really enjoy animated movies sometimes and this is not a good one so i don't understand why people yeah. like it 88 from critics and 93 from audiences yeah. i think people are just so happy that they're getting to see shit in the theater again that they don't fucking care and they're like oh it's great something i watched the other day had a cinema score of an f and it's like one of only five movies that's ever gotten a cinema score of an f you know what it was it was what? um killing them softly that movie really? That I watch it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's it's like that, it's not. It doesn't deserve that. No, no, no. Look, it's not a great movie, but it's not an F. Right. Like I can't imagine walking out of the theater and being like, "Fuck this." Cinema score F. Alone in the dark, two thousand and five. Sure. <laughs> Catwoman. Even, 
Although for me, Catwoman's. Oh, like I'm actually a. looking up ones that like you know like actually have an F and like oh, yes, I, I thought agree you were just that making a good the, no alone in the dark guess. has an F and it's like that that makes sense you know. Um. Fear.com, I can see that. <laughs> Real bad movie. Yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. And this movie is like I guess highly regarded by people and whatever. I mean we live in a society where everyone's opinion is valid in some way and none of them are any good so whatever it's fine if this is highly rated maybe it'll win an oscar um but yeah yeah all right so what's the chagrin score on it it's a six hmm. i thought it was gonna be high it's a seven it's a seven <laughs> Here's the thing, is that I liked the animation enough where I was visually stimulated watching it, and I thought it did some really interesting stuff in the way that it used that specific technique that I had not really ever seen before, um, at least not in that that way. So in that respect, you know, I got to give it a little bit of credit. Um I thought the plot was terrible. I thought the voice acting wasn't great. And it's weird because I really like Sam Rockwell and I really like Aquafina. Like Aquafina is one of my low key favorite, like young actors in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for vo- voice acting, I mean, Mark Maroon, like, seems like he would fit really well for, like, a, you know, like cynical snake and, you know. I- Look, the missing links had the worst voice acting I maybe have ever heard <laughs> in an animated film that made it to the big screen somewhere, mm-hmm. even if it was just in Spain. This movie isn't terrible, but it's also nothing. I'll reference a movie from the Quick Kate. So I watched those Crudes movies, right? Yeah. The Crudes movies have fantastic expressive interesting voice work like they're there's an there's an investment in those characters even though they're animated that draws you into them you know what i mean and i Mm -hmm. like i like that i really like the voice acting i felt the same way about into the spider-verse you know i think that into the spider-verse has this fantastic lively energy-filled voice acting that gives a life to those characters and makes you you know it it makes you want to see like it makes you feel like it draws you out of the idea that you're just watching an animated movie because I think a lot of times you can be reductive when you talk about animated movies and just kind of like say oh it's just like whatever sure and I think that when the voice acting is like exemplary and I think that's where Pixar really like hits the mark so mm-hmm. well all the time is that they just hire maybe not the most famous people they just hire really good talented voice actors and mm-hmm. they get the most out of them and i don't know again like i like sam rockwell a lot i like aquafina a lot i like mark Marone. Mm-hmm. it's just not there like it's just it's very flat and i didn't find it to be interesting at all and um i don't know i just didn't care didn't care about anything in this movie and I thought the plot was really dumb and I feel like you could watch Despicable Me or Megamind, which are also similar, like the bad guy finding redemption arc 
mm-hmm. movies and be much more entertained than you would be, you know, watching this shit. So this is um this is the end of my If I liked if I liked Despicable Me, would I like Megamind, do you think? I think Megamind's great. Yeah. I mean I I really enjoy that movie a lot and I think it's really well acted and funny. Okay. Um right. I've only seen it the once, so you know, you're your enjoyment may vary but to me it was really enjoyable the one time i saw it so yeah this this fell this, you know this you know what a... else you know what else is very similar is over the hedge another movie that i thought was really good hmm. i really enjoy over the hedge and it's the same thing it's the um the robin hood movie kind of or not not robin hood what what is it similar to it's it's a riff on an actual where the guy like it's kind of like the music man where he comes in he's full of promises and stuff and he's really trying to defraud him but then he comes back in the end to like save the day it's cool you know like it's it's fine it's it's a good movie it's enjoyable and it's funny and it's it's i mean everything's got to have like poop and fart jokes at some point because that's what they think the children want to see but at the same time like i still you know right I dug it. I thought it had enough adult humor in like the right way that yeah. This this movie down. this movie beat out uh, Lightyear as it's the second highest grossing animated movie of the year. Um, the bad Light, guys. Lightyear got fucking um neck bearded though because there's a gay character in Lightyear I guess apparently mm. and people said that it was too woke so it got kind of shadow band or whatever you want to call it in a way from people that would normally be into light year let me tell you let me tell you the thing about light year that you need to know the toys that came out for light year are the most amazing fucking action figure toys that have come out in terms of like the accessories and the vehicles Uh in 30 fucking years Hmm. like the spaceships for light year are amazing if you have any interest in like six inch scale figures, especially the GI Joe classified line, you need to do yourself a favor and buy the two six inch scale light year ships for like $30 before they become astronomical because those things are fucking beautiful. That's the only time I'm ever going to goddamn talk about um my toy collecting on, on this venture. You're done now. <laughs> Who really wants to hear it? And it's kind of... In, 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 <clears throat> I'm not embarrassed by it at all. <laughs> was, was your voice half-breaking? Like, well, I was going back was, to was being that, a 13-year-old right? kid when I had to hide it then, too. Couldn't talk about having my G.I. Joe collection when I was 13. Had to talk about boobies <laughs> and fucking the 49ers or whatever. Right. Joe Montana. You see them bills football stuff mark rippon now that's the redskins i know i'll need to get crucified here <laughs> uh it would only be those cowboys fans that did that joe Aikman, troy Aikman, ernest watson what the fuck what was this what? it was i just made up a person it was troy Aikman, michael irvin and emmett smith emmett smith thank you, yeah. thank you. that's that's enough i'm done all right it's a seven Okay. My chagrin for my whole life is a seven. <laughs> oh, not quite the worst, but you know it ain't getting 
it ain't getting any better. Uh, you know, it's about to get better, but that's that's a tale for another day. <laughs> okay. Let's three weeks, buddy. Yeah. Yep. Can we never see you again? All I'll right. come back. Let's see what you get. Well, you can say it's anything because I can't see it. You said you didn't want to see it before. Snow capers. The category is snow capers. I know what I'm watching already. Because well, you'll probably figure out a way to put what are those things called? Macaques? Like you'll probably figure out a way to find a fucking ma- movie with a fucking macaque in it and like, you know, those snow monkeys. Um Right, those are the ones the big eyes. Yeah, I'm sure you'll find Isn't it macaque? I don't know. I just seen the born in print. I never heard it before. No idea. Could I think be it's a, macaque. Could be cac. Could be. I don't, I don't know. Well, there was a commercial where people were. It was a smart TV commercial, and they were watching a show on macaques. I, anyway, <laughs> snow capers. I got it. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is that I really love things that take place in the snow. <clears throat> like that's one of those. That that's one of those weird things that if you set something in the snow that it automatically endears me to it a little more than I might otherwise be endeared. Do you like the left hand of darkness? I don't know what that is. Do I know the what that Ur- is? Ursula Le Guin novel? Oh, uh, with the hermaphrodites? Yeah, hermaphrodites and stuff. Yeah. Sure, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as Harville liked it. Harville was all about that. Yeah. Maybe Harville's a hermaphrodite. Um. Um. Yeah, it was fine. There's a few people like that, like on the board. I think. Um. But I think that none I was, of us I wanted. Was not, I was not one of them. But. I wasn't a huge fan of. But sci-fi is not my thing. So. so the Wizard of Earthsea was forced upon me when I was 14 years old as being this uber philosophically deep novel about names and perception you know that was good for a burgeoning mind to read to kind of get into more difficult stuff and i was already reading fucking i don't know goddamn like sid hartha and shit i need no goddamn ursula k Le Guin fucking wizard of mercy nonsense so i really was very anti ursula k Le Guin for a long time hmm. Um, but I've kind of come around on that stuff. I actually kind of like the worlds that she creates because they feel lived in, I guess, more than other fantasy authors. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't feel like that wide-eyed wonderment when you're reading their stuff where it's like the forest primeval shit. Like, it feels like a world of, it feels like fantasy set in the world of like Braveheart or something kind of hmm. that's the only one I've ever read of hers I don't know anything else about her yeah the Earthsea is a trilogy I think yeah, yeah I saw that there, there's like a mini series that they put out on that shit or a TV show or something at some point and Ghibli made a movie about it yeah maybe that's what I'm thinking of mm, it's not I, I, uh, I ignored that too so that movie is worth watching. It, it combines the first two books, I think. Okay. 
I'll never watch them. I'll never watch you. <laughs> never, never watched the third season of Succession that won an Emmy again last night. Um, Man, nobody cares about the Emmys. What? I'm just what are you, a 70-year-old woman? My, that's true. My mom was like trying to like was upset because Directv like was was fucking up while the Emmys was on last night. Mm. Um, and then she was like just like she just has a BBC channel on like all day for like the past like five days because she just like pays attention to the Queen. My mother tonight has somehow bought into a, some kind of conspiracy theory that um what's his name Harry and Meghan don't really have any kids. And she was like trying to like explain it to me, and I kept asking her questions, like you know, so like, wait, so hold on, what are you saying? Because it's like apparently, apparently, oh god, what did she tell me the name was? Archie is their kid, and Ar- there's all these pictures of Archie that like different, with different hair colors, and it's like the conspiracy apparently is that they don't really have a kid. <laughs> That's all. Do they have multiple proxy children? And they just assume that you're not going to recognize. I didn't ask that question. She buys into it in the sense that she thinks that it's real or that it could be possibly true. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I asked a lot of questions. Like, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, she just really dislikes Harry, it seems, because he like kind of like rejected the royal family, and she um she's very, she's very pro royal family apparently. Let me ask you this question because I got I, argument isn't the right word, but there was a little bit of tension at the dinner table when I went to my parents the other night. <laughs> okay, I maintain that their generation is obsessed with those motherfucking British royals for no good goddamn reason. They are and. They are. Our generation just doesn't fucking give a shit. Yeah. So some woman said to me the other day at work, what the the day that, that that Elizabeth died, she said, Oh, I think we should all go home early for what? morning because the queen died. And I said, Man, I don't care about your goddamn royals. Get the fuck out of here. We're not going home early. I didn't say it quite like yeah. that. It was it was pretty close. I said actually I said I don't give no shits about some fucking foreign royals i i i do not find any of it interesting myself i never have really um it's super lame it's like they're figureheads like nobody cares oh yeah they have no power like you know i mean liz trusts and the parliament is running that country nothing to do with the royals i mean so they have no real power like overall and then it's like I mean, it's 2022, and we're celebrating like let's let's like, be honest, this kind of sexist privilege, like you know, um, like of passing down to the firstborn. Like, did, I, did you see the real funny thing where Charles, like, I guess he's signing some shit because he's king now, mm-hmm. and refused to move objects on the table and made a servant move objects on a table for him i didn't like see that. he points at like a thing and then like moves his finger to like like the left uh-huh. and somebody comes and like moves that thing to the left and That's... then he points at another thing and moves his finger to the left and somebody gets that thing and moves it and then yeah. he like nods like satisfied and sits yeah <laughs> that, let's 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 that's just a, that's, be a, that's like a fucking austin powers skit i know it's like, hilarious you know? i mean yeah 
let's just be honest about something, right? Yeah. There are some ugly motherfuckers. Like, there's obvious inbreeding in that family because they are all these pinched face, buck tooth, fucking ginger fucks that have like somehow spread this limp wristed bloodline that's ruled fake ruled a country for centuries and they get some really attractive spouses so like every once in a while like, you get a little bit of like attractiveness there but by and large nah, there ain't nothing to write home about i just don't understand it it would be like i mean we're just as bad because like we worship the fucking celebrities yeah in the same way right sure give they it might as well be give it 200 years it'll be the same fucking kind of like right. celebrity worship yeah. goddamn landed gentry or whatever oh yeah we 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 love our uk listeners but yeah like you're right we're just as bad it's just we haven't had um thousands of years to establish our fucking stupid royalty did you hear Um, the did you see the guy who got arrested for fuck it's it's andrew right is the one that's like the molester (laughs) yeah the um that during the funeral procession procession he like called him like a creepy pervert or something who and did? they arrested him. I don't know. Just some random. Oh, dude. some random person. Um, yeah. Um. Yeah, he was the one that was like tied in the Epstein and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Did you, so he was consoling some woman, mm-hmm. and like ran his hand down her back and then over her ass, and it's like on film, and it's like this dude is molesting people in the open at his mother's funeral. Uh-huh. But you know what? Like, yeah, you can't do anything to him because he's fucking royal. Who the fuck? Can- the french had it right you know what like fucking i'm not advocating the guillotine but i'm just saying like if you're gonna have a revolution you might as well like do away with all of it just get rid of them like you know what was like really shocking to read about the french today is that it's just like no big deal to just sit there and say um yeah they, they they passed away due to assisted suicide like it's just like eh, okay because like, they, they respect his wishes, number one. Right, exactly. So right? what Chris is referring to is Jean-Luc Godard passed away today at 91 years old, yeah, I think, 91, yeah. via assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. For those of you that, and we've never done an episode on him, and I think we've only talked about Breathless. That's, uh, and uh, Alphaville. And Alphaville, right. Yep. So we haven't really talked about much Godard. Godard is yeah. top five directors for me of all time, probably. Um, I love Jean-Luc Godard like an incredible amount. I think he's one of the most brilliant and innovative minds in film like ever. Um, just doesn't really doesn't really. I mean, I guess maybe we'll do him in one of our yeah, we will uh, like more. artists. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, give it a little bit of time to pass. Like, but his yeah. movies don't really fit necessarily easily into like categories, so it's kind of hard to like put them on lists all the time. Um, they're also so high-minded at points that it's kind of difficult to talk about them without it sort of becoming like super pretentious and I think I'm always afraid boring or just me fawning over like weird camera angles and how much I love um, Anna Anna Karina uh-huh. um, yeah he passed away today so yeah but it's just really weird like you know like we're so opposed to this like idea of assisted suicide like um for for no good reason to me and it's like the first is like yeah it's just suicide like you know 
um we respect like you know human dignity and um you know you you know their wishes you know um here's an interesting argument this is again an argument discussion my mother and i got in and this is 13 years ago mm -hmm. what was the name of that woman in florida that had the brain damage it's right on the tip of my tongue Shivo? yeah terry Shivo. Mm -hmm. we were talking about that and my mom was so angry at the idea that i said that she should just be allowed to die i was like this woman scientifically is proven that she is non-responsive and there's nothing they can do for her and if her husband you know feels like it's best for her to be whatever you know taken off of life support then they should let her because that's what it was right the parents were fighting against it yeah his parents and the husband yeah mm -hmm. and or it's one of those things get, where it's like here's the thing it's never an atheist that's arguing against that kind of stuff it's always somebody who's a christian it's, it's sanctity of life yeah but here's the thing about the sanctity of life your fucking reward for being a good christian is going to heaven like when you die that's your reward you should not be you don't fear death because beyond the veil of death is your you know the kingdom of your heavenly father right so you should be all about it like fucking a like this person is in a terrible spot they've suffered a whole bunch they probably but it's done their penance but it's unnatural death at that point no they... no no it's still natural you're just not <laughs> it's unnatural to keep them alive if you're keeping them alive through medical means I right mean, you just well, sure i mean but aren't you just describing the debate at this point like i mean um they're they're going to sit there and say it's an unnatural death and like you know and therefore like that's can't happen it's, correct it's, it's like, because that shit's all hypocritical and this is coming from somebody who's a pretty spiritual person and identifies as a christian nobody can ever like just mind their own goddamn business you know what i mean like shut the fuck up and just let people live their lives how they want to live it. and if that's what jean-luc godard wanted to do was to pass away into death peacefully and painlessly at 91 goddamn years old you should celebrate that shit that man had a more impactful and impressive life than the majority of people that have ever lived on this planet and if that's what he choose to do then god bless him you know he's done enough 91 it's enough it's it's he's done He's lived twice as long as a fucking peasant in the 1700s. Yeah. And that's, they that's, didn't. That's kind of what I was trying to say. Just and they didn't it. make Pierre Le Fou, So fuck them too. <laughs> Got Frank heated. I like it. I didn't expect that. Uh, I don't even think anybody's bitching about his suicide. But, um, but that's because most thing. people don't know who he is. Because they're like most of us Americans are pretty ignorant people. It's because uh, most ignorant fucks don't even know what euthanasia is. Like they right. get all up in arms and can't even like define a word. Fucking turds. Yeah. I'm um, not criticizing anybody who feels that you shouldn't like. Like there's those suicide bags. Do you know about these things? No, I know about them. Yeah. That all these fucking sad fucks want to just go kill themselves. I don't know how I feel about that shit. But even then, at the same time, like, if that's where you are right now, are you ever going to get better? 
I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I mean, they could, you know, obviously, but I mean, that's, I've always just seen it as a choice, like, and I know a lot of people find it, like, outrageous, it's like, I find comfort in the choice, I'm not, like, suicidal, like, and, you know, um, and I feel bad for people that are in such a, you know, a position where it's like they feel that is a valid option because it, things must be really hard but it's like there's something comforting to me knowing that that's a potential option if need be so like I, I, it's, if that's the choice that people make then 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 so be it like you know right. i mean if, you have to have if, some like sympathy and empathy for people like you know if they feel that's the that's the option that's or left. if you're in tremendous pain and right especially like yeah your quality of life is so low right. that you feel like that's the better option. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Let me just write down. But here. again, remember but again, fucking, like keyword hashtag fucking suicide on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> but again, to each their own. Like if you don't yes. feel like that's a viable way to live your life, okay. Like that's fine. Don't do it. Sure. If you don't want to watch fucking She Hawk, then don't watch She Hawk. You know? I'm not doing it. You know what? I ain't watching She-Hulk. I wasn't talking about you. I was just saying it's like rather than bitching about She-Hulk, you know, it's like, you know, if, if if you're that upset by like, you know, the idea of it being about like, you know, a female Hulk or something like that, like then then just don't fucking watch it as opposed to like fucking review bomb it or bitch about it. Like She-Hulk has been around longer than you. Longer yeah, than me. Yeah, right. No one can complain about She-Hulk being a She-Hulk. It's dumb. I you know what agree. else I'm not watching? Let's talk about some shit. All right. I ain't watching goddamn Rings of Power, and I ain't watching goddamn Boudoir of the Dragons, whatever the fuck that show is called. I don't give a shit. And mm-hmm. people keep telling me that I should watch these fucking shows. And I watched the first episode of Rings of Power, and it was trash. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, it gets so much better out of after episode two. But you know what? Everybody says that the fucking Star Wars prequels get better after Attack of the Clones, and that shit ain't true. So I'm one not going your, back. One of your former colleagues from, I think, the Steel Mill, like I saw on Facebook earlier, was like basically like was through the first three episodes, and is like um, the CGI in this. Talking about the Rings of Power, the CGI in this like really sucks, basically, and it's like trash. It, it, and it like you know this story needs to move along after three episodes because this is boring. Well, because they're adapting the Silmarillion, right? Isn't that what the Rings of Power is? Is like, I think it's somehow. I haven't read too much into it, and I haven't watched a single episode of it yet. But I, I mean, I'm assuming it's the Second Age. So I'm assuming you're hoping. I hopefully, I hope well, you're taking it from the from the Silmarillion. Yeah, it's it's the youth of Galadriel and um, uh, what's uh the other man elf? Um, Elrod or whatever. Yeah, Elrod. Yeah, whatever. Elrond, Elrond Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's that dude. The Elrond character is the most the ridiculous wig I've ever seen on a human being. Uh huh. Like, I'm gonna make a reference that you're not gonna get, but there was a show on Nickelodeon called Lazy Town, where the adult villain had a plastic pompadour headpiece that was like his hair like it was like plastic 
Isn't that the one with the little girl who was like memed to death on 4chan? Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. And who the and, and Sporticus. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. The villain. The villain died from like gut cancer. It's actually very sad because he was supposedly like a good philanthropist Jesus. and whatever. Okay. So, um, but here's the thing. That's what this fucking Lord of the Rings show looks like. It's goddamn like adult lazy town with elves. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it, and I have no interest in one. Wa- I'll watch. This I'm going to tell you the same thing that I tell all the people at work that bother me about this every day. Oh yeah, yeah, I really want to watch that Game of Thrones show. I'll wait till it's finished and watch them all, and then no one will remember that I never watched them, and I'll never have to talk about it again. Right, that's a pretty good move. You know, I've never seen past the first season of Game of Thrones. I watched the first four. Mm. I thought you watched them all. No, Brandy watched really? them all. Oh. I've seen pieces of like stuff. The only episode that I've seen most of in full is Blackwater. Mm. Um, because she was watching it. Because we were, I, I, I borrowed DVDs in the first season because it was that long ago. Um, and then it's like, oh, I'll, I'll pick up back up on it. And I just never did. Um, I, I'm still waiting the for, for this dude to, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting for this dude to put out the rest of the books in fucking 2033. <clears throat> I'll read that. So this series that's on HBO right now is based on some supplemental book he wrote like three years ago. Right. That's the other reason why I'm not going to watch any of this shit because he should not be rewarded. <laughs> right. For writing entire fucking novels around right. the shit that he's not writing in the fucking one novel that he should have right. put out fucking 11 years ago. Agreed. What's it called? Dance with Dragons? Is that the last one that came out? Right? I, I think so. And then this um, one's like Winds of Winter or some shit? Um, yes. I think that sounds right. Anyway, who will ever know? Because that fucking fuck is going to die. And never put out this book, and all you're going to have is the mediocre ending to that series that HBO did. Right. That's probably true. I only assume it's mediocre because everyone bitches about it. I don't know. And it's like pretty, I said, I've pre- only it's, watched... It's pretty bad from what I understand. Yeah. I've only watched like the first four episodes, so and that was enough for, for me. Oh, first four episodes? No, no, I'm sorry. First four seasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I, big difference I, there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I watched a decent amount of it. Yeah. I just thought it was overwrought. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. It certainly is. Yeah. Um, even from what I saw of him. Um, yeah. I, I. Yeah, I'll never. I'm, I'm probably never. Brandy asked me the other night about the Rings of Power stuff. Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. Just go ahead if you want to. Like so. Um. I know I was extolling the virtues of the world that Le Guin builds around Earthsea. I am very much a high fantasy enthusiast. I am not a low fantasy enthusiast. So to me, like the grime and dirt and machinations of the political families and like Game of Thrones is much less interesting to me than a fucking dragon like descending on a hamlet and burning it with fire like that's more interesting to me and some orcs running out of the trees and then i don't think i'm really interested in either but i think i'm the opposite i think i I, if that's how you i don't know i didn't know those definitions of low fantasy but it's like i think i'm much more low fantasy than i am probably high fantasy low fantasy is 
mostly grounded in some semblance of a reality mm-hmm. with elements of the fantastical. Right, there's like magic or something. Let me tell world. you the greatest... I don't know if... I tried to get Brandy to read these. I don't know if she ever did. Scott Erickson has a series of books called Malazan, the Books of the Fallen, mm-hmm. that are the absolute best combination of low and high fantasy I've ever read in terms of there's fantastical creatures and gods and spirits and shit and magic like real magic and stuff but it's so well written and so grounded in like the lives of these like almost commoners that um i don't know they're like they're one of them some of the most perfect fantasy books i've ever read in my life let me sorry i'm just writing this down because i do not believe having looked at the uh covers that she's read these so i'm just quickly writing down um that for the future um it's part of what i always get for christmas is different books for so she can try stuff out so well it's 10 <laughs> 10 novels that make up that those 10 novels are enough where you get the entire story that you need to get out of him. Gotcha. Um, he's written other stuff after that. Mm-hmm. I think the one did you got her Tad Williams the one time right after I recommended that. Dude, I don't remember these people's names. Tad Williams is a guy that is another one that does a good job of blending like high and low fantasy. David Eddings, you've you've read, is another yeah. one that I think uh-huh. David Eddings is low fantasy. Um, right, because most of it is grounded in, not, like, but yeah, right. Now, you know, I mean, they have. But like, that's the whatever, that's the that's the end of it. The gets... will or whatever, and then there's like the gods and stuff. But for the most part, it's about people trudging, yeah, from one place to another, and you know, right, trying to trying to fucking win some quest or whatever you want to fucking say. But right. I like David Eddings, yeah. But I also really like the old like D and D books, like Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman and R.A. Salvatore, which is very much high fantasy like my dungeons and dragons preference is um high fantasy yeah you always like add some low shit in when we've done it before for me well yeah because no i mean i do that anyway because i think there's like some i think there's really good character building that can happen when you're um crawling around a sewer or like investigating the thieves guild or whatever but right I think got, you also have to have, you know, like some got some murders you got to investigate. Yeah, like some skeletons rising from the grave and some vampire fucking master that you got to kill or something. There's a balance. Yeah. I miss playing D and D, but you fucks are all fucks. Yeah. So. Nothing stopping you. Um, inertia. I was just being an asshole. Like, obviously, the thing that stopped me was having other people to play. Um. <laughs> No, I, I had a whole group of people that were willing to play online, but I don't want to do that. I want to sit around a table and roll dice and talk and drink a couple beers and eat some goddamn snacks. And you're a fucker. All right, deuces. All right. So next snow, week, snow, snow capers, jobs. and then we'll oh. have, and then we'll have snow jobs, Yeah, and then we'll have, um, we'll have two spin chagrins after that left. Um. And then uh, we will be taking a kind of hiatus while Frank's away um, for a couple weeks. But we do have uh, 
chagrin coverage that will be um, released in those two weeks. And it will be two weeks, not one week, Frank, um, because I'm going to torture you a little bit um, when we film that or record that like ahead of time um, to cover your vacation. So, um, and then we will be back um, in late October with the traditional spin chagrin. But um, yeah, so uh, we still got uh, another, what, 15, 16 episodes of the of the spin chagrin for the year, something like what? that total. Yeah. Is that true? This is episode 37, so you got what 38, 39, 40. It's only September. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. I thought there was like six left. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> no. No, the wheel still got 17 things on it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Frank. Poor Frank thought he was rough, done. Rough on my end. Uh-huh. <laughs> All, All right, right, deuces.